What's up, guys? And uh, welcome back to another episode of the Fight Day MMA Show with your host, Kaylin Nero, and my main man here, Kanan Sonye. Uh, so first off, guys, I want to start off by saying thanks again for tuning into the show. Uh, please like, subscribe, and share uh, these videos and make sure we get this out there, especially now that we have a big card coming up with uh, UFC 252, uh, Miocic versus Cormier 3. And uh, yeah, guys, so we're going to try and get our picks out there to you guys so you can maybe go in and make a few bets or just really get our professional opinion on uh, what we think about the fights so yeah we're gonna get right into it first we're gonna start off with the picks like we did with the last um, pay-per-view card um, our picks differ so we're gonna tell you our picks and pick, tell you who we picked as upsets um, for these fights and then we're gonna go down into like a small breakdown for the early prelims and then for the prelims and then actually have like a real good breakdown for the main card um, we're not gonna be able to do a full breakdown for every fight because in the the show would end up being hours long. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be the new format. So for the, the picks, all of our fight odds that we use were from the uh, the website Sportbet. Um, if you are looking for more odds on the fights, check out bestfightodds.com. Uh, bestfightodds.com has, like, all the betting odds from five different betting calculators um, that are used in Vegas. But the ones that we use are from Sportbet. I find that they're always the most accurate for your odds. Um, it's not a not an ad, by the way. But anyways, so for the early prelims, in the first fight we had Kai Kamaka the third versus Tony Kelly. Tony Kelly is a guy out of Shreveport, Louisiana. I had Kai Kamaka winning this fight. Um, he's a minus two hundred favorite. Kanan, I believe, picked Tony Kelly to win this fight. I think I'm picking Tony Kelly. If this fight gets to the ground, I think Tony Ke Tony Kelly is going to be in great position to win this fight. I think that he will be able to finish this fight because I don't think Kamaka is a finisher. Yep. Well, you're wrong. Uh, I'm kidding. Anyways. Louisiana all the way. Yeah. In the second fight, we have Chris Dawkins versus Parker Porter. We picked the same for this one. Chris Dawkins is a plus 100 underdog. And it's basically a pick em fight. Um, so we picked Chris Dawkins for that one. Uh, in the prelims, we have Ashley Yoder versus Livia Renata Souza. Uh, she's a minus 160 favorite. Souza, that's who we chose to win this fight. Um, TJ Brown was a minus 150 versus Danny Chavez. We also picked TJ Brown to win this fight. Uh, we have Felice Herring versus Verna Jandaroba. Uh, Verna Jandaroba is a minus 290 favorite. We picked her to win the fight. Um, and the featured prelim, we had Jim Miller versus Vince Pichel. Uh, Jim Miller is a plus 120 underdog in this one. Um, shockingly. Again, yeah, shockingly. Again, this is kind of a pick em type of fight. If you bet money on it, you're really not looking at too much gain. So I don't know if it's necessarily worth the risk. But Jim Miller is definitely the guy that I, I believe is going to win this fight. Um, and then in the main card, we had John Dobson versus Marab Divashvili. I can't even pronounce it. Marab. He fights with Chris Weidman and Aljamain Sterling and all them guys up in New York at a Longo Sarah gym. So um, I think it's Longo Weidman now. I think Weidman's part of the gym. But anyways, uh, we pick different in this fight as well. I have John Dobson with the plus 210 upset. Um, and then he has Marab uh, just winning. He's a minus 250 underdog. Um, in the next fight, we picked the same guy, Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. We picked Burns, who's a minus 240 against a plus 240. Uh, we have Junior Dos Santos versus Jarizio Rosenstreich. Um, we picked Junior Dos Santos as the plus 110 underdog. Again, not a very big profit if you do bet on this fight. But we think JDS is going to pull that upset off. Uh, this one can be a sleeper upset. We both picked Sean O'Malley as the minus 260 with Marlon Vera being the plus 230 underdog. But... If you're actually looking for something to bet money on that there could be a big upset tonight, that would be the one that I would say you put your money on. 
Um, again, I I necessarily wouldn't advise it because I think Sean O'Malley is going to win the fight. But if there's going to be a big upset tonight, I, I believe that's where it's going to be at. Um, and then finally, in the main event, we have Stipe Miocic uh, versus Daniel Cormier, which is a pick of a minus 100 to a minus 110. They're both favorited in their own ways. Um, it just all depends on the way the fight goes. Uh, so, yeah. So, breaking the fights down now, guys, we're going to get into the early prelims. And like I said, for the early prelims and the prelims, we're going to kind of give a short breakdown on those. And I'm going to pass it over to Keenan to start breaking these down for you guys. So, the first fight we talked about, we have Kakamaka versus Tony Kelly, the Louisiana native. Both guys making their UFC debuts, and both guys are very inexperienced. In this fight, I th- I personally have Tony Kelly in this fight because he is more of a finisher. And I think if this fight gets to the ground for sure, he will be able to, to control this fight against Guy Kamaka, who most of his, six of his seven wins are by decision. He's a decision fighter. He doesn't. I don't think he has power in his hands. He doesn't have a knockout to his credit. And I think that Tony Kelly will be able to win this fight. Yeah, Kamaka had one rear naked choke as his only finish early in his career. I believe he was in his second fight of his career. However, the only reason I'm picking Kamaka to win this fight is just because he's had two fights in Bellator and one in, LF- in the LFA, which are a lot better organizations than what Tony Kelly's fought in. Tony Kelly has one fight in the LFC, um, which is a decent organization. It's a feeder organization for the UFC, and I believe that's his only loss. So that that's the one concern that I had. Neither one is really a true finisher, even though Tony Kelly does. I, I guess he's finished four out of his five wins, so... I guess you could say he's a finisher with three three of the finishes coming on the ground, but I, I see this fight going a division to the to a decision. I think Kamako just outpoints him and wins the fight. Um, on to the next fight in the early prelims, we have a heavyweight showdown between Chris Dawkins and Parker Porter. Go ahead, Cannon, break down the for us too. So Chris Dawkins and Porter are also making their UFC debuts. Chris Dawkins and Parker Porter both have fought in the same level of competition throughout their careers, and Dawkins comes in at eight and three, with Porter comes in at ten and five. Dawkins has power in his hands, and I think he, that he beats Porter. I think he's going to knock him out first or second round. Yeah, man. Dawkins, Dawkins uh, lo- looking at his resume, man, I want to say out of his eight fights, seven are by, like, TKO, knockout, in, like, first or second round. It looks like he's, he's a thick boy. Like, he, he's, he's a real thick guy. And uh, Porter's definitely there to be hit. He's not the fastest guy. He's a good wrestler. But uh, Dawkins, I think, has a good enough, like, uh, all right, from what I hear, Parker Porter's a good wrestler. I really can't tell you from from watching him. But it looks like Dawkins is going to have good enough takedown defense to keep him off of him, and I think he's just going to sleep him early in the fight. But, yeah. So on to the prelims, we have the first fight of the prelims. We had Ashley Yoder versus Livia Renata Souza. Um, Ashley Yoder has been in the UFC for a while. Um, she tends to struggle against people who, who are grappling heavy, though. Um, if you watch her fight against Mackenzie Dern, Mackenzie Dern really like gave her a really, really tough time. Um, Souza is like really strong too for the weight division. Uh, it's a fight in the strawweight division. So it being for being 115, she's she's a lot kind of like uh, Jessica Andrade, and the fact that she's very stocky and very strong. Uh, I think both of these women's are about about even on the feet. Both of them have pretty decent Muay Thai boxing. Um, I think Yoda will be more active. She'll be a little bit faster, but I think Souza is going to be so much bigger than than Yoda, and I think she's just going to grab her and just kind of throw around on the ground and I don't see a finish coming in this fight but I think Souza definitely wins just by outdoing her in the grappling department by woman handling her yeah much like Kunitskaya did to uh, old girl the other night Julia 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 in the next fight um, they have TJ Brown versus Danny Chavez Uh, TJ Brown is a Dana White contender series alumni and has a much higher level experience of of like good fighters Uh, 
that he's competed against than Danny Chavez, who has like little to no top flight competition. He's coming off the regional scene. Uh, TJ Brown should dominate this fight. Uh, I know he's fourteen and seven. I know his his record doesn't all, like doesn't say like a really good fighter, but he's actually a lot better than his record says. I, I think he's just going to beat up Danny Chavez for three rounds and win a decision on that one as well. I fully agree. Um, for this one, we have uh, Felice Herrick versus Verna Jandaroba. Uh, Felice Herrick has been around in the women's UFC scene, UFC scene forever, like since almost the beginning. I want to say she was like one of the first 10 women signed to the organization. Um, and Verna Jandaroba is just going to show that that experience doesn't mean anything because... Felice Herring really hasn't been the best fighter in the past few years. I think uh, she's kind of grasping at straws at this point in her career. I think it's about time for her to call it quits. As she hasn't really evolved with the game. And uh, Jana Droba was one of those girls who's coming up, who's good at everything. And uh, this this fight is going to be a lot like what we saw in the last Paige Van Zandt fight. Where there's going to be a young up-and-coming contender who's just going to Destroyer. Destroyer, I believe. Um, so he's going to make a splash in the top 15 in the strawweight division after this fight and uh, look to become a true contender in that in that, uh, in that that weight division on Saturday. So Feliz is looking to be more of a gatekeeper for this division. Yeah. And then in the featured prelim, we got old boy Jim Miller, who's making his 80th fight in the UFC. Nah, but he's been... I know he holds a record for the most fights in the UFC, and he's fighting Vince Pichil. I want to say Vince Pichel, or Pichel was uh, of the uh, Ultimate Fighter, huh? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe not. I don't know. The name sounded familiar. So when I was doing the research into the fight, I noticed that Vince Pichel is like just your average mediocre run-of-the-mill guy. And uh, I, th- I think they're doing a Jim Miller a disservice by saying that he's an underdog in this fight, like big time. Um, Pichel's okay. I mean, he has a good record. He's young. He's up and coming. Uh, but Jim Miller's going to be too much for him. He's going to be too smart. He's too good on the ground. I think Jim Miller like kind of does what he does to the last guy who was kind of up and coming in his last fight, and he's just going to catch him in a, like a first-round submission, to be honest with you. That, that's what I'm calling Well, it. this was crazy to me because Jim Miller's fought a lot of top-flight contenders. He's fought Dustin Poirier. He's fought Dan, fought Dan Hooker. He's fought all the top guys in that weight class. Cerrone, Vincent Henderson. Like, uh, and he's fought all the top guys in that weight class. Ray Maynard. I, I just I don't think that this – Young upcoming guy has what it takes to beat him at this point in his career. No, could it happen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it could be the time. Anything can happen. It, it could be the last song for Jim Miller, but I, I think Jim Miller learned uh, lives to fight another day after this one. Alrighty, guys. So now we're gonna actually start getting down into a true breakdown fun of these part. fights. The fun, fun part. So now we're at the first fight of the main card, and here's the second fight that we disagree on, and it's the only the last fight that we disagree on. Um. And I'm not necessarily saying we disagree completely, but uh, we pick differently. Um, so in this fight, we have number 12, John Dodson, uh, versus number 15, Marab Divashvili. Marab Divashvili. Yeah, something like that. Something. And uh, I'm going to give it to Keenan to break this one down for y'all. So John Dodson comes in 22-11 versus Marab, who's 11-4. Dodson has had a long career. He's a household name to a lot of UFC fans. And you know him because when he fought Mighty Mouse, they had those battles. A lot of people thought Dodson was a person to beat Mighty Mouse, but he never was. Dodson comes in. He's older than the back end of his career. He's 2-3 and three in his last five fights. He's a shell of who he once was. And he, But he does have the experience in this fight that could prove to be pivotal in this fight. Marab is the young and upcomer. He's a BJJ practitioner who is he's taller. He's longer. 
He's young and hungry. He's on a four-fight range streak. And I do think this will be a decision fight, but I think Marab is going to be too much for Dodson. And I think that Dodson is just on the back end of his career. He's going to be more, like we say for a lot of these older guys, he's going to be a gatekeeper. And I just don't think he has what it takes anymore to be a contender, especially at Bantamweight. I think that Marab is going to beat him in a decision fight handily. I think he's going to be unanimous. See, I understand that Marab's a BJJ guy and he's a lot taller and longer, but a lot of the things that he does is, is based off of his, his ability to take people down. And John Dodson has really, really good takedown defense. John Dodson's always been a really good wrestler, and he's extremely fast. Even though he's older now, he's still extremely fast. Uh, and especially now that he's put on a little bit more weight, he's even stronger than what he was at 125 whenever he had those battles with Mighty Mouse. Um, Marab is on the, is, is the up-and-coming. He's on a four-fight win streak, like you said. He's on the rise. But I feel Marab hasn't really beaten anybody of high caliber yet. So when I look at Marab, I see potential, but I also see four losses against people who aren't necessarily top-flight competition. When I look at John Dodson's career, most of his his losses have come against guys who are at the top of the division, whether they're in flyweight or in, or in bantamweight. And I think Dodson has something to prove to himself with this fight. I think if he loses this fight, he'll just have to succumb to being that gatekeeper. But I think if he wins this fight, he kind of gives himself at least another glimpse of hope at trying to get back to the top of the division. So uh, I think he has a lot more riding on this fight than Marab. I think Marab is he's a really cocky guy. And I just don't think he has what it takes skill-wise to, to beat John Dotson. I think John Dotson just kind of outmaneuvers him and makes Marab stay on the feet where he's not used to being and just beating him up for five or for three rounds. But yeah, I definitely would be surprised if the experience of Dodson proved to be his his winning point in this fight. Yeah, but I do think that I don't think Dodson's who he once was, and I think Dodson's gonna fall in this fight. All right, on the next fight we have Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. Um, Herbert Burns comes into this fight at eleven and two. He's fighting Daniel Pineda, who's twenty six and thirteen with two no contests, uh, and this is in the featherweights division. Uh, both of these guys are submission artists. Uh, Herbert Burns being the brother of Gilbert Burns. Monster. Um, who's a beast. Um, Pineda also has had six losses by submission in his career, while Burns has only really lost once. Uh, and it's, or, Sorry, he's lost twice, but it's only been by decision. He's never been finished. Um, winner of this fight could be is who is the best on the feet. But uh, I think Burns takes him down. I think Burns beats him up on the feet and then takes him down and chokes him out. In my opinion. Um, Burns is on a five-fight win streak. All of them have been finishes. Um, Pineda is coming into a second stint in the UFC. But, again, I think Burns is a lot... Uh, I think Burns is head and, like head and shoulders better than this guy, in my opinion. Uh, I think Burns is going to beat him up on the feet. Pineda is going to shoot like a desperate takedown. Because like, he's tired of getting beat up. He's going to get caught in a guillotine. Yeah, so I, I fully believe that. I think that Herbert Burns would be way too much for Pineda. I think Burns comes in. He's going to be the better grappler in this fight. And all the, I think this fight will come down to who's the best on the feet. And I think that Burns will prove pivotal in this fight that he is the better all-around fighter. He will take Pineda down, and he will wear on him. Like, he's, like you said, he's on a five-fight win streak. All of them finishes. Pineda comes in in a second UFC stint, his first fight since 2014 in the UFC. And he was 1-4 in, in his last five, five UFC fights. He's proved... In that stint that he didn't belong in the UFC at that time, I don't know if he's, he belongs this time either. 
I think that Burns is going to be too much for him. He's going to overwhelm him in this fight, and I think that Burns is going to finish this fight in decisive fashion. I mean, and I kind of feel for Pineda. That's a tough draw, man, to, to finally get your set. Kind of like what happened with Aaron. Whenever you're finally getting the second, the second chance at the UFC and they just feed you to, to an up-and-coming beast yeah. like a Jack Shore or Herbert Burns. But, I mean, hey, if you want to make it on the big show, you got to fight the best guys, you know? Uh, all right, I'm going to give Ken in this fight, too. And then I'm going to give you the main event since you ship away. <laughs> so next we got Junior Santos versus Jaranzinho Rosenstrunk. Junior comes in as the number five ranked fighter, while Rosenstrunk comes in at number six. Rosenstrunk comes in, and he's a, he's a kickbox, he has a kickboxing pedigree. I want to say he's he has 70 wins kick, in kickboxing. He had a very similar record to what Adesanya had. A lot of people were comparing his kickboxing career to Adesanya's. He has KO power through and through. He looks to stand in the middle of the K, in middle of the octagon in this fight, and he wants to kickbox with you. That's all he wants to do in this fight. And I think JDS has the skill set to negate that everything Rosenstruck wants to do. I think JDS's JDS's skill skill set is what will win him this fight. He's a great boxer. He will pick you apart and he will brawl with you. He's a seasoned vet and he has all the accolades to come, that come with it. Both guys are coming off losses to two of the top guys in the division, Ngannou has beat both of these guys decisively. And then JDS lost to Curtis Blades, which both of those guys, one of those guys is going to be next to get the title shot after DC retires. And there's no harm to these to these guys for losing them. A lot, Everybody else in the division would have lost to them. I do think that JDS is going to win this fight because he is the more experienced fighter. And his skill set matches up perfectly in order to beat Rosenstrunk. I think JDS is going to be too much and the experience, his experience is what wins him this fight, and his boxing is going to win him this fight. Yeah, and I agree completely. Ro- Rosenstrike is, is a, definitely has a very high kickboxing pedigree. He's really good on the feet. But what we saw is with Rosenstrike is I think he kind of gets a, a little intimidated in the moment, honestly. When it came to the Francis fight, he didn't try, and I think he got a little cocky. Oh, I, th- yeah. I think he came in there that and he thought that he was going to be able to go in and knock Francis Ngannou out. And uh, he tried to stand there and bang with Francis, and that, that really hurt him. 20 seconds later. Yeah, 20 seconds later, he was out cold. And I, I think that kind of humbled him a little bit, so I don't think it's going to be the case with JDS. But he has to be careful, and he, he can't play with JDS because JDS has the power to put anybody out as well. I mean, ask Derek Lewis. Uh, JDS put him out a couple fights ago, and uh, we just saw how good Derek Lewis looked a couple nights ago. Anyways... Um, like like he said, JDS is the perfect skill set to, to beat Rosenstruck. Um, JDS is one of the best boxers in the UFC. Uh, a lot of people uh, regard him as the best boxer in heavyweight division. I, I think I would probably give that to Stipe, maybe DC. Um, but I think I think JDS does is a really really good boxer. He boxed the hell out of Kane in their first fight. Uh, whenever he beat Kane, but then he ended up getting the crap beat out of him twice by Kane. But anyways. Uh, I think JDS's boxing is definitely going to be good enough to manage him in the in the striking department with Rosenstruck. And Junior Albini has a very, very similar style to JDS. Um, and uh, Albini gave Rosenstruck fits in the first round and a half that they fought. And then uh, Rosenstruck ended up kind of turning around whenever uh, Albini tried to take his back. And he kind of turned in and was able to land some big ground and pound shots and uh, put Albini away, JDS isn't going to allow that to happen. If JDS gets him to the ground, uh, JDS is definitely going to have the advantage on the ground 100%. Um, and I think JDS's head movement's really good, but JDS's jaw is very wishy-washy. Uh, that's what really scares me. 
because he can stand in there and take shots from Derek Lewis one fight and then go in and get finished by Curtis Blades or by Francis Ngannou in another fight, you know? Uh, which, I mean, those two guys aren't anything to shrug your shoulders at by getting finished by, by any means. Those guys can put anybody away. But still, uh, so so can Rosenstruck, which makes me a little nervous. But I think JDS's head movement and his feet, feet work are going to be really, really good. And I, I think his boxing is going to give him the advantage in this fight. And I think he hands Rosenstruck his second loss tonight. I want to say that two fights ago for Rosenstruck, he fought Alistair Overeem. And Overeem, it was it was it was a five round fight, and Overeem won. All the judges had Overeem winning the first four rounds of that fight before he got knocked out. This is a three round fight. Uh, I don't see this fight going in Rosenstrong's favor, especially with that. Oh, we've seen Overeem get knocked out by everybody. He's on literally everybody's knockout highlight reel that you see. You see Ngannou's highlight reel, Rosenstrong's highlight reel, Blades, Blades, uh, Stipe's highlight reel of knockouts of Overeem. So I mean. Over and winning that fight 4-0 before he got knocked out, that shows me a lot about Rosenstrunk. I don't think he has what it takes at this point in his career. I think he needs to become more well-rounded before he really starts making that stride into that top five. Alrighty, guys. And so now we're in the co-main event of the evening. We got number 14, Sean O'Malley, versus, who's 12-0, versus Marlon Vera, who's 15-6-1. And, and don't let his record fool you. Marlon Vera is a really, really, really good fighter. Uh, Cheeto, man. Cheeto is really good. Um, so the Sugar Show is back. Uh, it's his third fight this year. He's kind of a savage, man. So like the last fight yeah, against was... Eddie Wineland, he had his hair dyed as 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 a rain, as a rainbow, and now he's fighting Vera, who's from Ecuador, and he flag. dyed his hair to look like the Ecuadorian flag. So I mean, I guess he's just trying to show homage to his friend. I, I don't know. It's not for us. It's, it's mind games. <laughs> he said, "I'm gonna beat you with your flag on my head." <laughs> But anyway, so this is the biggest test of Sean's career for sure. Uh, Eddie Wineland was his biggest test at this point, and, I mean, he finished him quick. So, I mean, but this is going to be a true test. Uh, Vera is definitely better on the ground, or at least from what we've seen. Um, Vera is a finisher everywhere. The fight goes on the feet, on the ground. Um, whereas Sean, we really haven't gotten to see his ground game much. Um, a lot of people say he's really good on the ground, and all he does in his training camps is roll uh, since he's got a very high pedigree of striking. But... If we haven't seen it, I can't say that it's true. So I will say that Vera definitely has a ground advantage from from my knowledge. But uh, I think Sugar's going to actually just be able to use his... He has really good hips. I will say that. Like You can see that in his kicking. He has really, really good hips, really flexible hips. And he's going to be able to use his hips to sprawl if Vera does decide to shoot for a shot. Um, the, only, the only way I see this fight going to the ground is maybe if Sean O'Malley or, Mar- or Vera knock one of the other ones down. Then it could be a problem. But I think Sean does a really good job of circling. And he does a good job of cutting people off and circling you into his spinning attacks. Um, he's very explosive, but so is Vera. So I think, I think Sean's going to have the biggest, the biggest task of trying to actually cut Vera off because Vera does a really good job of circling out and actually trying to circle people into his power right. But um, I think Sean's going to be able to kind of... There's going to be a chess match in this fight. I think he's going to be able to outsmart him, put him in the positions where he needs him to be. I don't see a finish happening in this fight. I think this is a fight that people are saying that Sean's going to go out there and finish him, but I don't see that. Um, the only way I see Vera winning is if Vera does catch Sean with a shot and knock him out or something like that. But I think Sean O'Malley is just going to beat him for three rounds. I think it's going to be a chess match. I think uh, Sean's just going to outclass him on the feet. I think this is going to be my fight of the night pick more than likely. Um 
and it's, it's going to be a good fight. I think this is going to be an amazing fight. There's a lot of hype follow, following Sean O'Malley, the Sugar Show. This is going to be the biggest test of his career. Sean is 4-0 in the UFC, while Marlon Vera has, I think, 14 fights in the UFC. So, I mean, he has a whole lot more experience, but both guys are finishers here. But that's the crazy part. Both of these guys are finishers. They finish a lot of people, but I think this fight is going to be a decision as Nero, as Nero feels. And I think that it's going to come down to a bunch of key important things. If Vera can get this fight to the ground, which we've seen, we know he has a good ground game. I feel like he has a better chance of winning this fight if he can take Sean O'Malley down. But what we don't know and what we haven't found yet, we haven't found out yet throughout his career, is how good Sean O'Malley is as a grappler. As Nero said, we've heard a lot of good things about how good of a grappler he is, but until we actually see it, we have no idea. Nobody has an idea fully how good of a grappler he is. We've only seen him knock two guys out back to back in devastating fashion. He's creating highlight reels off of his, off of his fights. He has four UFC fights, and it's just highlight reels. His contender series fight was a highlight reel. He knocked the dude out clean and went to Dana White and was like, I want this. Welcome to the Sugar Show. It, yeah. Sean O'Malley is definitely on the <laughs> rise. And if he wins this fight in decisive fashion, he's definitely going to, I feel like he's going to jump into the top 10 easy. He's number 14 right now. And with all this hype following him, I think there's not before long before he gets a top five person, a top five opponent. But I, I, I think Sean O'Malley's going to win this fight, but I, I will not be surprised if Vera comes out, lays everything on the line, and pulls off the upset. This is the biggest fight I have that can be an upset on this card is because Vera is so talented. Vera is so well-rounded that I think if he's going to come out there, put it all on the line, and that I wouldn't be surprised if he pull, pulls off the upset. But I'm going to take Sean O'Malley in this fight strictly off of his fight game. And what I know about both these fighters. But don't be surprised if you're betting. If you want to bet on the best upset, this is your bet right here. Agreed. Agreed. And like like you said, this is the biggest fight for Sean. But, I mean, this is kind of the biggest fight for Marlon, too, in his career. Uh, it might not be his toughest challenge yet because he's fought some really good guys. Uh, and, again, with as little as we know about Sean, as of right now, we can't say that it is his hardest test. Um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, be a good fight, guys. And... I don't know if Sean definitely necessarily goes up into the top 10 on rankings-wise just yet, but he's definitely going to draw a number 8, a number 7, number 6, maybe even a number 5 in his next fight for sure after this one, if he gets the win. The hype train is a crazy thing, man. Yep. It'll get you a fight. Yep. All righty. So in our main event, we got our boy, man, our boy. We got the champ, Steve Amiochis, who's 19-3 versus the number one contender, Daniel Cormier, who's 22-2 with one no contest. And it's for the... Heavyweight Championship of the World and the Heavyweight GOAT status. And I'm going to pass it on over to you because DC's been like your favorite fighter forever to break this one down. DC versus Stipe 3. Who will be the greatest heavyweight of all time? In the the press conference before the fight, the winner of this fight is on Dana White's Mount Rushmore of USC fighters. Can DC KO Stipe again? Or will the body shots prove once again to be pivotal for DC? I think this fight is going to be crazy. In my opinion, DC has won every round of this fight, every round of these two fights, until he lost that. I feel like he lost that fourth round when he got knocked out in the second fight. He won the first fight. You don't fight. feel like it. He did. Well, he did. <laughs> well, he won the first fight. He won the first three rounds Definitely. of the second fight. And the fourth round is when he got caught with those body shots and he got put down. I know DC was tired in that last fight. He looked, he looked heavier than usual, which was scary. Especially since what he looked like in the first fight. You knew he was heavier, but he wasn't that heavy. He was around 240, maybe a little lower. 
But in the second fight, he came in over 240. He looked out of shape. And in that third round, you could tell he was tired. You could tell he was gassed. And you've never seen that out of DC. That's something you've never seen in DC fight is him get gassed. And that was the biggest, his probably his biggest mistake in that fight. In that fight, because he was the champion, he was busy. He had a lot of other things going on. He's a high school wrestling coach. All these things, and he wasn't putting everything he had into training like he was before that. He has all these other things coming with being the champion. Press conferences, the ESPYs he attended the past two years, high school wrestling coach, being with his family, all these other things that were pulling him separate ways. And I feel like that was one of his biggest reasons. One of the biggest reasons he was out of shape. He had all these different things pulling him. He wasn't training like he was previously for all his other fights. That's that's the price that comes with being popular. That's the price that comes with being a champion. And that definitely, I feel like, was the biggest thing that was the biggest downfall for DC in this fight. But in this fight, in this fight, leading up to this fight with Corona, everything going on, DC has gone back to his old ways of training. DC has the mindset that he wants to get this done for his last fight. This is the last fight of his career. He has mentioned to everybody, press conference, everything. He will retire after this fight. And he said he's going to bring that title home. And I think he will. He looks motivated. He comes in at 236, which is great for him. He looks complete. He looks in shape. He looks great. He looks phenomenal. It's probably the best he's looked out of the three fights, hands down. And I think that he's motivated to get this win because he wants to go out as the top, that greatest heavyweight of all time. One of the greatest fighters of all time. And winning this fight will make that happen. Stipe, who's going to go down in one of the greatest heavyweights, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. If he beats him and goes 2-1 against him, DC is the greatest heavyweight of all time. For Stipe to win this fight, he's going to have to keep the distance. Stipe is going to have to pick his shots and he's going to have to come in and move his feet because that's what happened in the last fight. The first three rounds, he, he was stuck in the ground. He wasn't moving his head. And that's what Stipe, he kept getting caught, but he didn't go down. Stipe has a chin, which I give him. And DC to win this fight, he's going to have to utilize his wrestling. That is the biggest thing for DC in this fight. Utilize your wrestling. The 25-foot cage in this fight, yeah, which is the difference between the bigger cage, this favors DC more because Stipe can't run around the cage, can't keep the distance as much in this smaller cage. This, this favors the grappler, which is DC in this fight. I think if DC wrestles like he had, as we've seen him in his past fights, he will win this fight hands down. He, get to, he can take down anybody in either in light heavyweight or heavyweight. And DC I, also likes to pressure forward. And that that's a big advantage in a smaller cage. You can you can cut people off a lot easier in a smaller cage for sure. I truly believe that. I know Stipe has has great movement and he could get out of the way in those bigger octagons. I think the smaller octagon is definitely gonna play in favor. Stipe didn't even want to fight in this twenty five foot octagon. He petitioned for it to be a thirty foot, and they were like, "Nah, we can't do it." And so he he went with it. Stipe's key to victory is to keep the distance and avoid the takedown in this fight, and possibly the body shots. DC's key is to wrestle. He I know he wants to stand and bang. He wants to prove that he can bang without wrestling but wrestling's what got him here don't go away from what got you to the show it got you to this point in your career and i feel like if dc wrestles to his capability ground and pounds exactly what he did to vulcan he got vulcan in the crucifix position and literally made made the ref call a tko in the fight because vulcan couldn't defend himself that was from the ground we've seen everything that khabib's done from the ground everything that a lot of wrestlers have done from the ground and i feel like if dc takes him down and could just lay on and keep the pressure on and put the weight on and tire him out. He will win this fight. And I got DC winning this fight. And that is the king of Louisiana right there. <laughs> Not the king of Lafayette. Not, the king Not of Lafayette. to be confused with, with, with Dustin. King, king of, of Louisiana. Louisiana. All right. So, yeah. I have, I have a lot of the same opinions on this fight. Uh, I'm extremely amped up for this fight as DC is one of my favorite fighters too as well. Uh, and 
one one of the things that I really wanted to touch on when I was breaking down this fight was the the importance of of the weight that DC was going to come in at this morning. So in the first fight, everyone was coming in and everybody was kind of writing DC off in the beginning. Like, oh man, DC's just not going to be big enough at heavyweight. He's going to be a lot smaller than Stipe, blah, 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 all these different things. And then it comes to, to the weigh-ins and Stipe weighs in at 241 and Daniel comes in and weighs in at 247. So then that narrative's out of the window. Like, oh, well, DC's actually the bigger guy. And so whenever it came down to the fight and he was able to knock Stipe out, because Stipe was... A, Stipe actually was kind of controlling that first round, that first fight. Stipe was doing a lot of damage. Daniel kind of couldn't, Daniel couldn't find his rhythm, and then finally was able to get him in the clinch and hit him with the big shot and knock him out. So we didn't really get to learn too much from that first fight. Um, we did learn that DC carried that that extra uh, knockout power at heavyweight, but other than that, we didn't learn we didn't learn too much. And then we come into the second fight, and Stipe Miocic drops 11 pounds. And he comes in and he weighs 230 pounds at the weigh-in. This is crazy at heavyweight. So DC is like, oh shit. Like, like, I don't want this much heavy. weight disparity heavy. coming into that fight. And DC's sitting there and he's 248 pounds. And he sees Stipe go up to the scale and weigh in at 230 pounds. He's like, shit. I don't want to be this much heavier than him. He's going to be that much faster than me. So he goes and he decides that he's going to start cutting weight. So he goes in the sauna. He cuts 12 pounds of weight. Weighs in at 236. And the only reason I know that he cut weight is because he weighs in at 236 on Friday morning. As a heavyweight, whenever you're under the 265-pound limit, whatever you weigh Friday morning is more than likely what you're going to weigh when you walk in the octagon, especially if you're not cutting any weight. Well, in California, where they fought the last time, the, the director of the athletic commission there weighs them on the night of the fight as well just to get data to find out what's going on whenever these guys are weight cutting. So just to see what they what they weigh in at Friday morning to what they weigh in at whenever they're walking into the cage on Saturday. Well, DC weighed in Friday morning at 236 pounds, and then when DC was walking into the cage, it was 248 pounds. Stipe was still 230. Yeah. So DC had an extra 18 pounds on Stipe, which kind of showed in the first round where he was able to pick Stipe up and drop him on his head. But, I mean... Think about it whenever you're working out with a weighted vest. You know, you have 18 extra pounds on you, man. It's exhausting. You can take that eight, that, that extra 18 pounds off of you. You can do a lot more reps a lot easier, you know? And so that was a big thing coming into this fight. I, I was always going to pick DC because I want DC to win. But I knew it was going to be a big concern for me coming in to see what DC was going to weigh at weigh-ins. I think DC said he wanted to be below 240. And I think that's where he's going to be. The most natural, the healthiest, and the most agile possible that he could be for being healthy. And it would be under that 240 mark. And he came in this morning, he weighed in at 236. Stipe in normal fashion just kind of weighed in at what he was weighing at 233. So now we have a pretty even weight uh, for the fight. They both look to be in the best shape that they've been in in a while. Stipe looks lean. DC looks somewhat lean. It's kind of hard to look mean to 246 when you're only 5'11". Sorry, DC. I know you like that Popeye's chicken. But, um, yeah. So that was a big thing coming in for that. And that, Now, me seeing that DC's going to be 236, I think DC's going to be a lot faster than Stipe. I think he's going to be able to push a pace on Stipe, much like Kane would do to people. I think DC's going to be able to cut him off in that smaller cage. I think he's going to use a lot of chain wrestling. And he might necessarily not necessarily be able to, t to take Stipe down throughout the entire fight. But just being able to threaten that takedown 
are threatening that level change. Open. It's going to leave Stipe to be concerned at least a little bit about being taken down to the ground. So it's going to leave his chin open. It's going to leave the ability for Daniel to kind of fake a level change, come up, and hit him with that, that wild overhand right. Or he's going to be able to actually work into the clinch and get another clinch situation where he could possibly... Because Stipe, even in the second fight, still had the problem where he was in the clinch. He would drop his left hand, leaving the clinch. And DC hit him with it a few times, not to the extent that he did in the first fight, but he was able to hit him with it in the second fight as well. So that might be something that Stipe still hasn't corrected. So if, if DC can get himself in those clinch situations or get him up against the cage where he can be in short, in tight, use that power, use that strength that he's, he's accrued over this long career of wrestling and, and working with some of the most the best pressure fighters in the world where you have your training in the same room as Cain Velasquez and Luke Rockhold and even Habib, all these guys who go super hard all the time. Being able to use those things that he's learned over these years against Stipe, who is an amazing fighter, but doesn't necessarily train with, with savages and killers all the time, you know? True. And Stipe is, is a hard nose for sure. He has a good chin. He hits hard. He, he did a very good job adjusting to make the body shots. But DC said it in, DC said it in the uh, press conference, and I kind of laughed a little bit because he's like, well, I'm going to make the correction. I was like, well, why the hell did you make the correction on the left high kick against Jones? Kind of DC. He'll probably kick my ass if he hears that. So, Daniel, I'm sorry. But he's, I really hope he does make the adjustment. And th that was my thing watching the fight because I, I watched the fight a few times since then just to kind of really get a true grasp of what Daniel needs to do. Daniel really doesn't need to do much different. Um, he, he did a really good job of really sticking his hands out to isolate Stipe's hands and find out whenever he wasn't blocking to shoot his shot. And DC's always done a very good job of doing that, kind of feeling out his range with his hands. But the problem is, is the second what 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 correction Stipe made is whenever DC would touch his hands, Stipe knew his hands were up, so he couldn't get his hands back down to defend. So Stipe would drop and just feed the left hook to the liver every time. Boom. He'd bring him up. DC would reach out. He touch his hands. He'd be able to go back down. DC just needs to kind of stay in a little more tight this time. Really, we use a chain wrestling to where he's not fully extended all the time leaving himself exposed and if he does get hit with the body shot shoot the takedown you know dc and i know he was tired in the fourth round and dc's not going to have that problem this time because he's not going to have he's going to have less weight on him so he won't gas as easily but what i wanted to see in that fight from dc when i was watching it is whenever he first started eating his body shots the first two or three okay but after you start eating four five six all the way to 11 you got to do something different and dc didn't change his strategy at all he just kept eating them I think DC needed to drop for a leg there. Maybe go for a high crotch. Something. Try and change it up. I don't think DC will have to worry about it too much this fight, though. I, I, I think he's going to negate the body shots. I think he's going to use his chain wrestling. He's going to put a pressure on Stipe. And I think he'll wear Stipe out. Um, as for how I think he's going to win, I feel like he might rumble Johnson in this time, man. Chuck him out? I, th I think he might wear him out with some wrestling in the first and second round and wear him out to the point where on the second round he's able to get on his back, get his hooks in, and choke him out. In that second round with Johnson's fight, he tried to take down DC. Yeah. He tried to wrestle DC, which I thought was a complete mistake. Now, if Stephen comes out doing that, I think I think it's going to be an easy fight for DC. But in this fight, both of these guys have crazy fight IQs. And the key to the last two fights is who found the weakness first. Who found the biggest point of emphasis first. First fight, DC knew about it. DC said in the press conference, he was sitting there analyzing the fight, announcing, and he saw a hole in Stipe's game whenever he exited the clinch. And he caught him with it in the first fight and knocked him out. Second fight, Stipe found the body shots. 
And that's what caused the end of the fight. That's what ended the fight. That was the point of emphasis that ended the fight. In this third fight, who will find the point of emphasis first? That's going to be who wins this fight. I think DC has the bigger and better fight IQ. I think he may have already found... I think he has the better training partners and the better coaches too. I thoroughly believe that. I think DC already found a point of emphasis in this fight, just like the first fight. He's Like he said, he's been training for this person the last three years. He knows Stipe's fight style. They know each other's fight styles. They've been training for each other the last three years of their careers. They know each other better than any other opponent. They're tired of each other, as they've said. They are tired of each other. They're ready for this to be over. And as a trilogy, this is one of the biggest, craziest things that can happen this in the UK world. maybe the best trilogy ever. And it is crazy in that aspect. I think Daniel Wolf has the point of emphasis. I think he already knows something we don't know. And I think you're, you will see it in this fight. And I think DC is going to win this fight. For sure. Alrighty, guys. So, yeah. So, that's our breakdowns of the fights. Um, again, guys, thanks again for tuning in. Um, we hope you enjoy. We hope you uh, maybe learn something from us or learn a little bit more about the fights. And you'll have something to discuss with your friends when you're watching the fights where you can prove them wrong whenever they say someone's going to win. Think you know what? They make, make them think you know a lot more than you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I, do it, I do it every week, you know? And then just thank us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, guys, again, uh, please like the video, subscribe, share to your friends, uh, let people know about it. Um, we look forward to watching the fights on Saturday and bringing you all the post-fight analysis. Um, we really hope that DC gets to bring that championship back home. And if he doesn't, the post-fight analysis might be like a week late because we're still, like, depressed. Yeah, <laughs> he might still be crying. I might have to, like, go check on him or something. Um, but, yeah, thanks again, guys. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Um, we really enjoy doing this still, and we're going to just keep bringing them back to you guys. Thank you, guys. Peace.